Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Glad those are worshiping online. Also glad you are with us. And uh, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for these beautiful folks and uh, the high honor of being able to share with them what you've placed on my heart. And I pray uh, for the next few moments uh, you would sort of uh, speak to each one of us as individuals. I'm always marvel, Lord, at how you do that. Um, one message, and yet you seem to have be able to plan it in individual hearts. And, and so have your way. Um, we want to be more like you when we leave this place. And I um, want to be more like you in how I love people, how I lead, um, how I live my life, how I view myself, and, and, and all of us, that's kind of what we want. So uh, have your way, Lord, I pray, in the next few moments in your name. Amen. Uh, kind of excited, uh, but I just want to go on, kind of start the things out this morning by telling you what I want to do. Um, I, I wa- this, whole, this whole morning, this whole, my, all my time with you is all about trying to convince you to act. Um, I, I want us to move forward, and um, I've done the best that I can to try to put into words what's in my heart, and uh, that usually never comes out right. Uh, so that, that, with that warning, I just want to let you know what my agenda is, and that's to get us to move forward. And so, um, and here's why I say all this. If you're just visiting, this is, this is an exciting time to be part of Alive and to be part of this community that is Alive. And so if you've just been checking it out or um, you've been here a while, you know that. And in a few weeks, we'll actually celebrate Easter together. And all of this, all of this sense of what God is doing, the leadership of our church sort of has this sense that it's about, it's about to get crazy up in here. You know what I'm saying? We have this sense that, man, things are getting ready to be uh, freaky here. And, um, and I'll tell you kind of why we believe that. Um, this past summer, we sensed that God was calling alive to a fresh vision. And we've spent a good bit of the summer and a good bit of the fall sort of planning and strategizing for that vision. And we summarize the vision with this, is that we sense that God's calling us to be a multiplying movement. Um, and, and that has all kinds of uh, definitions. <clears throat> Excuse me. For our church, uh, it, it kind of goes along this way. Um, we first sense that we need to build this brand new children's space, and that's underway right now. We've all kind of given sacrificially uh, for that to happen. And it is uh, on schedule, if not ahead of schedule, and excited about that. And it's none too soon. This past Sunday, um, we had to shut down the four-year-old classroom because we were at capacity already. And so, um, you know, that, that's a good thing we're moving forward. That was kind of our first step. And then we began changing the way we're doing discipleship. And that involved uh, adding life groups to the menu, if you will, of semester groups. And some people, a good many of you, have actually are now part of a life group. So you'll go full, full cycle and you'll just be together and do life together. And then we've uh, introduced this 4D strategy, which is the first one, if, you want to, if you're interested in becoming a member or what that means, there's the discovery class. And then the second class we just launched last fall was the Deepen class. And the Deepen was basically designed to do two things. We want to teach you, this is how you can study scripture and this is how you can pray and we can't do enough deep in classes. We thought if we just did one, it would kind of meet the need. But um, everyone, I think we've done three now, and every one of them have capped out. And so we just can't do enough, um, which, which is awesome. It's a great, great situation to have. Um, and so th- we just finished up a second round of, or third or fourth round of deep and whatever it is. We're getting ready to do the defined classes. And defined classes are where you're going to learn your spiritual gifts and personality. And then to decide, how are we going to put all this together to be part of God's kingdom work. And all those are underway, and, um, and, and we're excited about that. And none of that, we've set aside money in our budget, um, as, as Matthew mentioned, um, to begin sending our people to mission fields. Um, the idea is that uh, if we can get you onto a mission field, me onto a mission field, well, we don't have to worry about being a multiplying movement. We're, we're actually going to be into that. It's going to be like, wow, if we can help impact this. And so um, we're doing that. As, as Matt said, we just sent 
our first team, and there's, I think, five trips scheduled this year, several of them to Haiti and a couple other places. You can check all that out online or somewhere and find out if you want to be part of that. And so the church is actually helping to send our people, which is, which is amazing. And then we are also setting aside money every week from every dollar that everybody gives. We're setting aside money for the next plant or the next campus, and, um, and that, that has been growing throughout the year. So all these things are things that we've been doing. So, so why are we doing all this? Well, to be honest with you, um, pastoring a large church isn't really rewarding. And you would think it would be. And I'll tell you why you'd think it would be. Because everything in my business world measures that. So, so what I mean by that is, as long as all the seats get filled and, you know, baptisms happen, all the, well, then we're moving up and to the right. And, and then, and what I discovered at this point in my life, which I guess I'm a late discovery person, I don't know, but what I discovered is pastoring large isn't satisfying. But being part of a movement is. Being part of a group of people who are willing to link arms and say, you know what? We're not just giving lip service to this. It's not just about a sound and light show. It's not about a personality. It's actually about a, a person on a platform. It's actually about Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross and how that changed my life forever. And I believe with the deepest conviction that I have that that message needs to be shared with an entire world. That is worth being a part of. And so for the rest of my days, however long they are, um, that's what I want to be a part of. And we're part of a church that's kind of gone online and said that. And I know some of you are here because of whatever kind of, and, and that's all fine. But the core DNA of this body, um, that's what we want to do. We want to live with an awareness. Listen, uh, an awareness that keeps us awake at night. That there are 96,000 people, not across any body of water, but within our county, just this one county, and I know we got a whole bunch of counties represented now, but just one county, just Pickens County alone, there are 96,000 people who, listen to me, are currently facing a Christless eternity. And the church has to give a crap about that. And if we don't, who is? Are we going to count on some other great organization? How about this? Let's count on your favorite political party to win the world to Jesus. Anybody want to go there? Who cares that people are dying? Well, the church needs to care. I want to care, and I want to be part of that group that says that's simply unacceptable to us. And so when Tom dies, that number has to be less. It does. And so if you're visiting today and you think, man, this is a jacked up, you're right. (laughs) <laughs> this, this church is a little weird in that regard. Um, there are 96,000 people, and I want people to grow in their faith and all that kind of stuff. I want people to become more holy. I understand all that. But ultimately, I want to see lost people come to Jesus. And uh, there's, no plan, there's no plan B. It's, it's just us. We're the church. We're the bride of Christ, we're called. You are. If you call yourself a believer and this is your church home, Jesus calls you his bride. And we are part of sharing the gospel message with a broken world. And so in this war effort series that we've been doing together, we've identified over 4,000 names in their hunger across the lobby here and on our campus. And, uh, and they, these, these 4,000 names are currently living a Christless life, and they're facing a Christless eternity. Do you understand what I just said? They are facing a Christless eternity. 
if you and I continue, if you and I choose to just sit on our padded areas and kind of cruise our way into the kingdom with these folks literally saying, to hell with them. And I'm not, I don't mean that, I love you. It's just not coming out that way right now. But I want you to know, it's just, it's not you. It's, it's more frustration with me that I'm kind of, I felt like we just broke up. <laughs> but it's more, <laughs> there's more frustration with me. And it's like, dead gum you, Tom. I mean, <laughs> that's how preachers cuss at themselves. It's like, how, 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 how are you handling this? And so these names written on these cards, and I've got to come in every week and see these names. Every day of the week and come in and see these names on the cards, hanging in the lobbies. And, and these are people that your heart's broken for. You put the names out there, not me. I've got four names out there. The rest are y'all's. And your hearts are broken for those people. And, and what we said was we would long for them to be in a room with Jesus Christ so Jesus could love them and heal them and restore hope and redeem and break addiction and forgive. And we're God's plan. Let me be clear. You are God's plan to introduce them to Jesus. And there is no other plan. There is no one else, I would dare say, on the planet who wrote their name down on your list because you're God's plan for them. God gave you those names. And many folks have said, hey, Tom, I wasn't here Sunday that Alive filled out those cards. And I didn't, you know, give them a card. And so, but I watched online, and so, you know, I didn't get to. So we put these cards out for you. Uh, they're, they're all across the room now, and you can get these cards. If you didn't get your four names turned in or whatever, or people you want to see get in a room with Jesus, write these names down, and at the end of the service, I'm going to tell you what to do with these. If you got four more, like you already got the first four, and you're like, hey, I want, I want another group. So, you know, write down their names, and just we'll turn them in at the end. I'll tell you what to do with that in a moment. So during Holy Week, we're going to offer this opportunity um, for everybody, uh, everybody who, who, who's part of the live community, everybody in the community, to actually come and pray for the names on these lists. So we're going to have communion stations set up uh, in our chapel here, and um, you can come all throughout the day, uh, well into the night, and hopefully even on Good Friday, and the cards will be laid out, and you can come and take communion and spend some time praying for every name. And our plan is, our goal, our strategy, every name that we wrote down on these lists will be prayed for at a minimum of once and hopefully several times over. And you're going to be part of that. I'm going to be part of that. We're going we're to do this together. So what I'm feeling these days in light of all of this are some unique emotions to me. And, and, and you can probably sense, you know, Tom's a little jacked up on this today, and I, and I get that, but I haven't often felt these two emotions in ministry, and the two emotions I'm feeling really are these, ready? Fear and anticipation. Fear and anticipation. Um, now, please don't send me a verse about how perfect love casts out fear, cross-stitch me something. Don't, don't do that. Um, you can send me a card, but only if it has a gift card in it. I mean, that, that's really the card that I would like to receive, but the rest just keep. I mean, listen, I'm okay. You don't have to, don't have to, don't have to, you know, don't worry about me. Is what I'm trying to say. Think of those two emotions in the best possible way. I had a friend uh, after service, the first service said, you know, it's a little bit like being on a roller coaster. You're afraid because you have no idea what's going to happen, but you really can't wait for it to happen. I said, yeah, that's a great description. I feel like I'm on a roller, clo- roller coaster these days. Now, here's the deal. A good many of us, in fact, I would say the majority of the folks uh, at Alive has a- have answered this crucial question. Is this gospel, is Jesus worth the effort? Is he worth the effort? In other words, I could just kind of come in, soak up some Jesus on Sunday, and go home and really not do anything. 
But many of us have answered this question afresh and anew. As we think about the people in our lives potentially facing a crisis eternity, we've answered the question, you know what? Jesus is worth it to me. If I didn't have Jesus in my life, my life would be jacked up. And, and it's not optional for me anymore. I can't just sort of cruise my way through this. I want the people on my card to be with Jesus. So alive, let me say to you, if you turned in a card with me, this is go time. This is it. Fish or cut bait or get off the pot. Whatever words you use, whatever terminology, this is the time, okay? This is your, this is the moment It's time to take all the inspiration and all the information you've received through the War Effort Series and apply some perspiration. It's time for us to go after these names and start reaching out to them in love and to risk something and to say, to risk doing something, to risk inviting something. I don't know, but it's time to redefine the relationship. And here's what we said through the whole series. I'm not saying you get freaky. I'm not saying you get weird. All I'm saying is go to the names on the list and say something like, hey, I found something really good in my life. Would you like to come and see it? And that's it. And hopefully, like a dozen of us wrote the same name. So this whole week, people are going to come up. Hey, I found something really good in my life. Would you like to come and see it? And they're going to say, wait, what is God doing? <laughs> it, this is a moment. The scripture calls these moments kairos moments. And it's a scary, unsettled time as a church and as individuals. And so I have a name of someone on my list. And I have formed a relationship with her. And, um, and she doesn't believe in Jesus. But she, she knows about the church, so our relationship was going great, and we were having all these philosophical and wonderful discussions, and then uh, she said, so what do you do? So I told her, I can't tell you. She said, are you an assassin? Worse. She goes, just tell me. I said, no, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> okay, but no, <laughs> So eventually I did. Eventually I said to her, I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor, and man, the reason I didn't want to tell her is exactly what, I mean, she told me where she got fried by a church, legit fried. I mean, it was like, wow, that that would hurt me too. Um, And she shared that story with me, but she continued to talk to me. It's, it's It's awesome. So we have this great relationship, even though she doesn't believe, but she's on my list. And so, um, Paul and I, he's our exec, uh, we, we go out to eat uh, once a week, and we always try to go to the restaurant where she works and try to sit in her section. And so it's kind of like, you know, eating evangelism. So we're going to come, and we're going to eat, and we're going to win her to Jesus. So that's the plan. And so uh, this week, we did the exact same thing, and we've been trying to reach out to her. In fact, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think Paul put her name on his list, too, because he's, he's trying to copy. But uh, so we, we went out to the restaurant where she works. We said, can we sit in your, the, we want to sit in so-and-so's uh, section and, uh, man, she came up to the table, and immediately we could both tell this girl was down. I mean, lower than a pregnant snail belly. You know what I'm saying? She was down is where this girl was. And so um, I, I'm wise. Paul is not. And so I understood this girl was single, and I also understood this girl from prior conversation had a boyfriend. So I knew not to ask, Right? And so, but the person I was eating dinner with, I don't want to tell her name, but their initials are Paul Haycock, they did not have any sensitivity to this at all. So right out of his mouth, he said, how's the boyfriend? I mean, it was instant tears and snot factor. It was like a glazed donut had happened on her face all at one time. Horrible thing. 
And on she went. I mean, I was trying to look compassionate with my face, you know, that pastoral, but I stink. I was like, all I could get was, you know, <laughs> so nasty. And so, um, put my food down first. I mean, this is nasty. So, poor girl, out of all the pastors in the world, she comes to our table. And so, um, I, uh, we started talking, and we heard that there's trouble in paradise and all that kind of stuff, and um, we're not together anymore, and all that kind of stuff. But she's on my list, and I'm writing a name trying to encourage the people I'm doing life with that this is go time. I'm writing a sermon. And I, and I know I'm not supposed to tell you this, but even as a pastor, you get a little nervous about these things, okay? Because you never know what you're going to walk into. Most of the time, you could walk into a buzzsaw. And so I tried exactly, hey, I found something really good in my life. And I said, I, I want to draw it for you. And so she gave me her pen, and I pulled out a napkin. And I drew her this, this gauges teaching that I do in, in my life and for our staff. And um, I said, you know, when I'm going through an emotional wreck time of my life, I, I have these certain gauges I monitor. And, man, this battle inside of me was significant. So the first one was easy. It's a physical gauge. And then there's this mental gauge. But the third gauge is a spiritual gauge. And I said... Um, you know, part of how you're going to get over this is through connecting with, with Jesus. And he will be the difference maker in this. And you can't say Jesus is the church that burned you, but you need to connect through Jesus. And if we could do that, and I said, I'll give testimony in my life, then you're going to make it through this, through this time. You know what she did? Cussed me and dumped water on my head. No, she didn't do that. Of course she didn't do that. What's wrong with you people? You see, that's why I don't evangelize. I mean, I know, I know, I know. I know how you roll. Listen, you know what she really did? Teared up again. Oh, it's a slobber fest. I mean, it's horrible. But uh, she thanked me for sharing with her about Jesus. She thanked me for that. Then she said, can I keep the paper? I have a friend I want to share that with. She's on my list. She doesn't know it, but she's got a date on Easter Sunday. Unless she came before, then <laughs> welcome to your story. <laughs> Here's your meal, preacher. <laughs> well, I start to think, hey, what if all of us Invite the people God placed in our hearts to come to Alive on Easter weekend. Here comes the fear and anticipation part. What if you actually joined me? What if you actually joined me and you took the risk and you made a strategy to reach all four names on your list? What if you actually did that? So um, what that means is, you know, there's roughly over 4,000 names out there. So um, what, what if, let's say, what if half of them said yes? Well, then that means we're going to have an additional 2,000 people to our 1,500 on Easter Sunday. No, not amen. That would be horrible. I mean, what? We're going to have to Vaseline the kids to get them in. We're going to have to Vaseline you people to get you in. I mean, it's going to be a nasty day. And so um, what, if, what if 25% say yes? Well, that's an additional 1,000 people that we're going to dump in, into our community um, and, and that produces a little fear and anticipation uh, for all of us. So our staff has actually been studying this. 
and uh, studying our Easter and the momentum we sense going into Easter, and we sense God is up to something significant. So we've actually taken a risk, and we want to prepare for what God might do. So what we're going to do on Easter weekend is this. We're going to do our normal Easter worship times, okay, which none, none of that will change, but it's the like 8.30 here, and then we're going to do the 10 o'clock here and 10 o'clock in the chapel, and then we're going to do the 11.30 here. The campus and Pleasant View is going to be 11, but here's the new one. We're going to add a Saturday night service uh, this year for the first time at 6.30 here. It'll be the same drill as Sunday morning. Now, I know, don't send me an email. Can we celebrate it if Jesus hasn't actually risen from the dead? Well, what we're kind of saying is maybe this is just a celebratory weekend. You know, maybe we celebrate that every Sunday. So on Saturday evening at 6.30, we're going to open up another worship venue, the whole thing, same message, same worship production, same children's ministry, and, uh, and with the hopes of this, that you'll invite some of your names and they'll say, I can't make it Sunday morning, I work. Hey, you know what? We're doing something Saturday night. And maybe we could go there and then we could go out to eat. Wouldn't that be cool? And some of you are going to have to say uh, two words you've never said in your life. I'll buy. And so like, so (laughs) you know who you are. You're the one with the sore rib right now, right? You're the one. (laughs) Friends, this is go time. This is the time. And I'm really hoping that our hearts are united on this. I think it's time for each of us to act in love towards the name of people on our list. And many of you are sharing my emotions as you think about the people on your list. As you leave today, um, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you this bundle. There's four cards in here. And all these are, these tell, this tells the, the times of service. And there are four, hopefully, that you will be courageous enough to send that to the four names on your list. Do you track with me? So pray about this. Think about whether or not you want to be part of that. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter, and and my heart um, is filled with anticipation. All of Jesus' reputation and his legacy rested on this historical and divine moment. Everything does. If he dies and he stays dead, put the church in a box and walk away from it and don't have anything to do with the church. Don't ever think about it again. But if Jesus rises again, if he resurrects, friends, this is a a trajectory-altering event, and he is worth leaning an entire life against. And this is what happened. On a day in history, the Son of God overcame sin and death and was resurrected, and now things will never be the same. And you have people on your list hoping to God that someone will tell them about that hope. And it's you. That's why you're in their circle. Easter will be different for our lives because of this war effort series, and many of us are carrying conviction that God has burdened our hearts for people on our list, and perhaps more than conviction, God has given us compassion. The New Testament word for compassion is this word splonknon. I love that word. And splonknon actually means bowels. Get that. I have bowels for you. You know, and, and what that what what that actually is saying is this, man, my heart is so broken for you. I feel it in my gut. My gut cramps when I think about you facing a Christ this eternity. Don't have to say it that way. I'm just telling you to explain what Splunknon is. I'm already moved for you. Those names, those people, that brother, that sister, that son, that daughter, that mom and dad, that dude on the team, that dude in my dude at my suite, whatever it is, those people, my bowels cramp, my heart breaks and my tears leak, my eyes leak because I, I want you to come to Jesus. I'm already getting emails. Uh, I shared this, a friend, a friend sent me this and asked if I could share it. He said, for far too long I've been silent about my faith, but through the War Effort series I've been challenged. I don't know how old this person is, but they're really old. Today, I, just, today I shared Matthew 28, 18 through 20 with a friend of mine. 
and then shared the definition of a disciple we talked about last week. A person who chooses to learn from Jesus, to live for Jesus, because of a heart that's been changed by Jesus. God is working on me, he writes. I already have an accountability partner, and I've begun to meet with him weekly. There's a dude who is after these names and allowing that change to take place. Things will never be the same. They can't be the same. And so this is where I am. I'm a bit scared, but I'm incredibly excited. I'm scared because I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means we open more campuses. I don't know if it means we plant a church. I don't know if it means we outgrow this space. I have no idea. But I am excited because a war effort is forming in the alive community, and the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing under spirit-anointed power, and people's eternal destinies will be changed. But not just that. Marriages and families and health and emotional well-being and anxiety and purpose and calling and generosity and addictions and sin and condemnation and guilt and shame will all be broken because of the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high, and you're going to be part of that. We're going to do that together. So over the next few weeks... People are going to bump into Jesus around here. I want you to know what we're going to do on Easter Sunday morning and, or Saturday, you know. And so uh, the new series we're going to do is actually called uh, Jesus a la carte. And, uh, you know, the, peop- the creative team has had a great time with this. Jesus a la carte, have it your way. I'll tell you where this comes from. Um, I went to a sandwich shop uh, this week, and you go in there, and, and they give you this bag, and you check everything on the bag you want. You familiar? So, like, I want this sandwich, and then you can, like, Say you want tomatoes, pickles, you know, mustard, uh, mayonnaise, are you crazy? You know, I mean, all, all these different parts of that you, you check and that you want for your sandwich, and then you give them the thing, and they make your sandwich. And, and I got to thinking about that, and I was wondering, you know, I think, I think that's maybe what people are doing with Jesus. Because I think what it is, we're so used to customizing everything, I think we customize we're customizing Jesus. And here's, what, here's why this is so painful. Because there's a problem that's developing of epidemic proportions in Christendom and in our world. What's happening is people like me are, uh, and all of us are sort of uh, embracing an, a customized Jesus. And then what's happening is people like us, their lives are hitting a wall. Or their lives are hitting a fan or the wheels are falling off, whatever you want to use. And they're reaching for the Jesus they created and he's not there. Because he was a pretend Jesus all along. He wasn't the real deal. He wasn't the real Jesus. And so they're reaching for Jesus who thought they could build a life on him, and he's not there. He was a pretend Jesus that we made in our image. And so this whole series is going to start on Easter Sunday, basically saying, are you following a pretend Jesus? Let's talk about the real Jesus. Let's talk about real Jesus. So if you bring your friends, that's what we're going to talk about, just to let you know. So we are at this point between fear and anticipation, and we know, we know we're going to invite some of the names of our list, and when we do, it's going to change our relationship, and we don't know what that's going to look like, because it's going to be this big risk for us, and are things going to be awkward now whenever I go back to the restaurant, or are things going to be awkward between you and your friend, or you and your son and daughter, and, and that all makes us uncomfortable. As we think about the changes in our church, there's this fear and excitement, and it leads to this question for me. God has been good to me in the past, but will he take care of me in the days of he- ahead? Don't, get me, don't make me wrong, I'm actually in this room because God has been good to me in the past. But Tom, you're asking me to actually take some risk here. How do I know God's going to be faithful to me in the days ahead? And so as we embrace new territory, as we redefine the relationship, as we go public as Christ followers, how can we know we're still going to be okay? How do we know the relationship's going to take that? Well, well God, God knows us. And so when he made us and and he put this whole thing together. He knew we would struggle with remembering he's been faithful throughout, throughout Scripture. And so what he does is God offers these markers 
or these kind of like uh, line in the sand moments, these flags where you can look back and say, dang, you know, God was faithful there. He was faithful there. He was faithful there. God does that for us. And he did it throughout the pages of scripture. So when you're afraid and you anticipate a mighty move of God and you're not sure if you really want to go, you look back and think, oh, well, there's that marker and there's that marker. There's that marker. So I'm going to go ahead and go. Everybody with me? So Alive is, so alive is getting ready to go on that. So here, let me just point out a couple of these markers. Abram, is making idols for a living. That's what he did. His dad did it, and they had idols for everything, like idols for getting rid of bugs, for infertility, for rain, had all these idols, and he was going to be an idol maker. God shows up to Abram and says, hey, I want you to take a trip. And Abram says, where? And God says, I want you to move to Beverly. Anyway, so he goes, all the old people get it. So I'll tell you, and God essentially says this, I'll tell you on your way. I'll tell you on the way. I'm not going to tell you right away. Abram says, okay. He trusts, and the Lord makes a promise to Abram in that, in that moment. He said, I'm going to tell you something, Abram. I'm going to provide a land for you. It's going to be called the promised land. And then he said to this old barren couple in their 90s, said, and your family is not going to outnumber the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. The dude's in his 90s. His wife's in his 90s. And what God just said is they're going to go to the diaper aisle and Abram's going to buy them and they're also going to buy them for his new kid. I mean, that's what they just said, all right? They're, they're, that, that's the age we're talking about. And then, and then on top of that, he said, as a reminder of these promises and my faithfulness to you, I'm going to provide for you some markers. I want you to remember that I am faithful. First, Abram, I want to give you a new name. Abram means the high father. Abraham means father of multitudes. The dude has no kids. Father of multitudes, other than the one with his, uh, his wife's servant. But I'll get to that later. He said, your very name is going to remind you of my promise. Your very name is going to be a marker of my faithfulness to you. The second marker wasn't as popular as the name change. Because the second marker God asked for Abraham was a little more awkward. Abraham is 99 years old. How old's Abraham? 99 years old. Genesis chapter 17, verse 10. This is my covenant, God speaking, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. So you and all your kids, even though you don't have any right now, every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Just curious. Anybody have that one memorized? Just out of curiosity. No one. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Just to really drive the point home, uh, verse 24 of the same chapter, Abram was 99, and he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, the son that he had with his mother, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh. So one of the markers that God set up with with Abraham was, was to be circumcised. Now, if you don't know what that is, you should be in kids' ministry right now. And, and if your parents drug you in here and you don't know, ask them on the way home, out loud, especially at a restaurant. That'd be awesome. Just do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ask your mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> Abraham's kind of hoping there's a multiple choice option here. You know I mean? When he's here, they're like, hey, Noah got the rainbow. You know, why, why is this happening? And, and I have no doubt he reminded God about that. It's a, it's, but it is a strange request. So here's kind of where my mind went was, why circumcision? Have you ever thought about that? No, of course you haven't, because you're perfectly normal people, but it keeps me awake. Why, why circumcision? Why, why, why that? See, here's the thing. God promised Abraham that he would be fruitful at 99 years old, but he wanted him to know it. It wasn't going to be through your efforts, Abraham. No, God says, I am faithful, and he wanted Abraham to remember that he was faithful, not through his own strength and his own power, not something he was going to create. A lot of commentators will call this, circumcision was the fruitful cut 
in Abram's flesh. And Abraham could only father a child after he was circumcised of the promised people. Only then. God asked Abraham to mark the part responsible for giving life to remind Abraham that God is faithful. And you know what? God was faithful. Twelve tribes are formed. All of them circumcised. Twelve tribes are formed. And out of those twelve tribes would come the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. Circumcision became a mark for the Jewish people. God was faithful back there, and God will be faithful in the days ahead. Moses receives a mark as well. God says, go into Egypt and get the people out. He goes into Egypt and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And then all these plagues happen. And every time a plague happens, Pharaoh says, okay, okay, okay. Then he goes back. Moses goes back. And then Pharaoh says, no, 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 no. Finally, toward the very end of this, the most horrible thing happened. And the final plague was actually killing of the firstborn kids. People were afraid. Can you imagine it was happening. It wasn't maybe. It was happening. And God instructed the people of, of his to wipe the blood of a lamb on the doorframe of their homes as a marker. And he said if they did that, when the angel of death came through the camp, came through the village, came through the city, the angel of death would pass over those homes. And so that actually happened. And so even today, the Jewish religion continues to celebrate Passover as a marker, remembering that God saved, God was faithful. And every time the Passover meal is celebrated, a mark is made, a reminder that God was faithful back there and he will be faithful in the future. In fact, the disciples were with Jesus celebrating a Passover meal. Remembering God's faithfulness on a Thursday night of Holy Week. But instead of Passover, Jesus sets the stage to celebrate a new marker, reminding, reminding us of his faithfulness. Instead of the normal Passover ritual, Jesus offers the disciples something new, something to cling to when we are scared and when we are afraid. When we're broken-hearted, gut-cramping for the names on our list. And he grabs the wine on the table and he says to his disciples at the Passover meal, he said, this is my blood, cup of the new covenant, to be poured out for you. And then he said, drink this and remember, I'm faithful. You with me? Then he grabbed the bread that was on the table and he broke the bread and said essentially the same thing. This is my body that's broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. I've been faithful. My track record is 100% true. Count on it. Depend on it. In fact, lean a life on it. So in a few moments... As we prepare for this moment, I want us to remember how faithful God has been through this moment.
I want us to remember the hope that all the names on our list actually have. It's not Tom. It's Jesus Christ. And the fact that his blood was poured out and his body was broken so that we could be saved. This is our courage because we know from here on out things will be different. But this is a cause worth fighting for and so we'll do it without apology. God gave us this marker. And you know, every time I partake of this particular marker, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness, but I'll tell you where. I'm actually reminded of God's faithfulness in me. Because this isn't the final version yet. God's grace is still moving. And it's still working in me. God's grace is still redeeming places that I haven't let him into before. He's still calling me to levels of holiness that I've never experienced before. He's still calling me to levels of faith and obedience that I've never done before. He's still working on this. And so if you don't like this, be patient. Still under construction. And you know, for some of you, you are in this awkward moment where you feel like you're observing something, but you're not participating. You're observing what's happening in the room, and you really want to be part of that, but you can't because you've never been to me. You've never invited God in to begin the work in you. And so I thought it'd be kind of, this is a moment where maybe you could make that decision if you'd like. It's exactly how I got started, and you're probably in a room full of people who got started the same way. What does that mean, Tom? Well, first thing is, don't freak it out. It, it means this. You decide. You decide you want Jesus to be your personal Savior. And you invite him in. Jesus, I want you to be the Savior of my life. I'm convinced you're worth leaning a whole life against. And from this day forward, that's what I want. And you ask him to do that. Ask him to come in. Forgive you. And then what will happen is he'll do that and you will find yourself engaged at a level you never have been before where you will start working with God and it'll be whether God's is not going to be your savior but well, he'll actually be a Lord for you. And if you do that, I'm going to pray to you here in a moment, then you take communion today as a brand new believer. This is now your marker. And every time you take communion from this point forward, you can join the voices of all of us who will say, I'm remembering when you died for me. And that gives me the courage to reach those who have yet to bend the knee. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these great folks. And Lord, I do pray specifically for my friends in the room who are at that point in their lives where they want to bend the knee. And, um, Lord, they've kind of resisted it because they're not perfect. They've kind of resisted it at times because they didn't know if they wanted to come forward or if they had to raise it. They didn't know what it was. So right now, Lord, I pray you would hear the prayers of anybody who wants to bend the knee. And if that's you in the room and you know it's you, this is the appointment that God has made for you, then, then just say something like this. Uh, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. 
And what that means is he's going to save you from all the condemnation stuff in your life, all the mistakes, all that shame, all that guilt. He's going to remove that from you in a moment. I want you to be my Savior. But here's the other part. And now I want you to be my Lord. And today is my marker Sunday. I take communion today as a brand new believer. If that's you, welcome. Welcome to the family. God, God is pleased with you. You know that because you sent it in your own heart. And God has an incredible plan for you. And you will walk out of here with a passion that is stronger than you've ever had before to reach the people in your lives who don't know Jesus. So you lead the way. We'll follow. You lead the way. Be a radical, sold out, the whole route, crazy nut for Jesus. And we'll follow along. We need you. For the rest of us in the room, this is your marker Sunday as well. As you take communion, remember, this is your hope. This is what made all the difference for you. And there are names on your list hoping that someone will do the same for them. Make these elements be for us, I pray. Body and blood of Jesus Christ. The means of grace in your name. Amen.